You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. nights of halloween tonight we talk tim burton's mars attacks This is Tim. Welcome to another night of the average. Tonight, Bryce was unable to record with us. This is a busy dude. We totally understand. But I have Travis joining us. Travis, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, Tim. Thank you for having me on the average. Uh, I'm Travis Maxwell Boone, creator and co-host of the Nightclub podcast, along with um, Ricky and Grindhouse Zombie. Those are my boys over there, and um, we talk about horror and everything horror centric so i think it's awesome to be on uh be on here for your month-long horror celebration that you're doing i think it's really cool awesome i'm so excited to have you join us um it's it's kind of debatable if this movie is horror i definitely think it falls more into the horror comedy category but tonight we're talking mars attacks from tim burton Mm -hmm. big tim burton fan over here and i saw this movie when i was a kid but came out in uh i think in the mid 90s i didn't yeah, do, I think it was 96 yeah i didn't pull up any any research on it um myself but i saw this when i was young and it's always been just a super fun movie for me so whenever you presented your list mars attacks 
feels right. Let's go. Awesome. We're excited to have you. All right. So let's I will give a brief synopsis um, and super brief because the synopsis of this movie is not real complicated. Uh, Earth is invaded by Martians with unbeatable weapons and a cruel sense of humor. And that's that's the synopsis of this movie. Uh, I, I, you can get into some of the more fine, fine details and I'm sure we will as we discuss, but it's an alien invasion movie, but with a sense of humor, Mm -hmm. it's got a stacked cast too, man. It, it, this cast is fantastic. We will definitely touch on that when we get to our acting category. So how do you feel about, I will kick us off on the score. And then if you want to read your score and give your thoughts behind it, that worked for you. Sure. Okay. All right. So kicking off our story, I actually, I did give our story for this one, a four, which would be great. I do think the story is, it takes a classic idea of the alien invasion film. And I've never seen one done with this kind of nasty, wicked sense of humor and kind of, the story is super scattered. I'll get to that when I talk about the script, but I think the story is really clever in this movie. I really, I think it's great. So I, I gave it a four. I don't have a whole lot more to say to it than that. So you can go ahead and tell us what you thought. Oh yeah. As far as the story goes, um, I also gave it a four. If I'm, if I'm looking at this correctly, this is my scorecard, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep, it, it's that a- is yours. I'm just making sure because we're 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 lining up right here, right out right out of the <laughs> yes, gate. Yes, it'll it'll diverge after this one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I do think it's a fun story the way you put it. These nasty these aliens are these Martians are like the trolls, like, and I don't mean the the cute fun Disney or Pixar trolls or wh- whoever makes those movies. I mean they are like the internet trolls that you find out there online that they just <laughs> come so to true. Earth. And they're just messing with humanity and playing like <laughs> world ending pranks is <laughs> like yeah, murder yeah, pranks. Very accurate. Yeah. I, I just, I dig the fun that, uh, the, I think that whoever wrote the script, the final script for this and, and put it to film, obviously Tim Burton, I feel like everyone's having fun in this movie from the cast to the people behind the camera. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give the overall story. And I guess that means the feel of it to me a four as well. It's also, I think, great. All right. So this is where we're going to diverge. I'm going to take a hard dive. Um, I tend. Well, as listeners, the six of you who are out there uh, know, I scored the character based on a character arc, the kind of journey that they go on. The difficulty when scoring this movie is that it has such a huge cast of characters. Uh, And it's a star studded cast, as Travis mentioned. It's pretty awesome, actually, to see everybody in this movie together. Yeah. But it does kind of rob characters of screen time. So I actually gave the score for the character arc a one. Uh, I feel like the only person with a real arc that you can track and follow and that feels good was the son of the farmers the younger brother Mm -hmm. i I don't i don't know his name he kind of had that journey from really humble beginning to hero he had that journey most of the others are kind of like 
we are seeing how this character reacts to situations. So the one doesn't re reflect on how poor these characters are or how negative these characters are. This is just more of a, I almost felt at times that I was watching an SNL skit where I'm watching. <laughs> a, yeah. Except it was funnier than SNL. Um, an SNL skit where they're interacting with aliens and we watch that brief joke and then we move on. And so that kind of robbed the characters of an arc themselves, but it doesn't rob them of being memorable, if that makes sense. So that's where my one comes from. A hundred percent. I see exactly where you're coming from. And based on that, my score, I gave it a three. So based on the original um, idea behind the character arc score, for the characters, I guess I, I kind of flubbed that one a little bit because I'm giving them a three based on what you said, their memorability. And that's Richie, by the way, the character. And I agree with you as far as which character in the film gets like the most, uh, well, the closest thing to character development as the story goes. But that's not saying a lot in this movie, really, because, yeah, all these characters are kind of just they are who they are. They might have a goal or a mission in mind. Mm -hmm. Um like like the uh the boxer uh byron he's got a yeah. mission he needs to get home to his family but he's he is who he is and every character is who they are in this film so i will give it a three and stick with it for the memorability of the characters if if i can kind of nudge that in there yeah. uh so uh, yeah I'll, I'll stick with that no that's that's fine that works uh that's kind of what I love about doing this is just everybody watches it a different way and everybody analyzes a movie a different way or enjoys a movie a different way. So I actually enjoy like we agree on it, but we both came at it from different perspectives when we scored that. I'm going to uh, say, too, yeah, I think go the, for it. The, the Jack Nicholson president character, uh, Dale, because you have to specify name. which Jack Nicholson character in this movie because <laughs> yeah. he plays two. Yes, the president <laughs> character. He's a fantastic um, character. He is. And I think Fantastic. he kind of he kind of has an arc where he goes from being, you know, well, he, he looks towards his counsel to guide him on what to do next, like like a good leader should. Mm -hmm. And then, in my opinion, and then uh, <laughs> no, throughout right. throughout <laughs> throughout the film, he kind of like based on certain events that we'll get to, he goes this way and then he goes that way. So he kind of has a development throughout the film until his impassioned speech. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess maybe his character, too, if I think about it a little bit. But That's besides true. that, I'd say it's pretty straight and narrow with everybody else. Yeah. So question then. Um, it could wait till acting, but I'm going to ask now. Do you think his performance was based on any particular president? Uh, well, and so this came out in 96, you said, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of know the characters or at least the, the way history remembers yeah. presidents up until that point. So I'm going to have to say, I don't think I can really point to one in particular. Why okay. did you have, did you have one? I was trying to see if he was trying to emulate Reagan or if he was trying to emulate Nixon at certain times, I was just not, not many others leading up to that were super memorable that I can think of. So I was mm -hmm. just kind of wondering watching his performance and then what I can remember of their speeches. If he was trying to, because I definitely felt like he was trying to capture that presidential spirit, which could just be a testament to his acting 
could have been well, him trying to emulate a certain president. That's I was at just one curious. Point, he says to uh, his his press guy, played by Martin Short, he's like, if, uh, if if when you work this speech, I want it to sound you know presidential or whatever. He I also want it to sound neighborly, and I, and that made me think of Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter seemed kind of like. True. The guy next door, you know, the nice old man down the street or whatever. Yeah. So maybe there's a little bit of Jimmy in there. But when you say Reagan, Reagan gave good speeches. I, I yes. can't say the same for Nixon. I didn't really watch any of his. I've never watched a, a Nixon speech. Uh, the only closest thing to Nixon I've ever watched is him in the Walkman movie. Watchman movie, rather. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, Anthony Hopkins portrayal of him. Yeah. Which that's doing him you know, a great service to be portrayed by Sir Anthony Hopkins. By Anthony so. Hopkins. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's jump into the music and sound design. So I scored music and sound design four. I thought the music and sound design for this movie was great. Again, I believe we were treated to music by Danny Elfman as, yes. as most Tim Burton movies are. So you kind of know what you're in for with a Danny Elfman score, but this one, it leans in as much of this movie does. It leans into the kind of 50s and 60s sci-fi nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And man, I thought Danny shined, shone, shine, whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, did, he did a fantastic job leaning into that kind of kitschy sci-fi stuff. It was awesome. But on top of the music, we had the sound design of all those spacey sound effects with the lasers, the blasting. It was mm-hmm. just, it was cheesy and fun. I loved it. It was great. I agree a hundred percent. That's why my score is a five. I think <laughs> it is just fantastic. It's perfect. Um, Danny Elfman rocks. He is one of the best film composers alive. In my opinion, I always love hearing his scores Everything from Edward Scissorhands to uh, his Such a good his film. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Another I, Tim. I, my wife and I actually just watched that uh, like three or four days ago, and she had never seen it. Nice. I didn't know that, and she watched it, and she's like, "This might be my favorite movie." I was like, "Yes, awesome." <laughs> anyway, awesome. sorry, I, I sidetracked you there. No, you're good. Uh, all, all the way up until like, you know, well, I don't know what he's doing in recent years, if I'm being 100 percent honest, but I do love his army of darkness theme. He composed mm. for the uh, the skeleton army, the army of the the army of the dead itself. So very cool sound design, too. I got one word for you. Act. <laughs> yes, that is yes. totally part of the sound design in this movie. And it's when brilliant. You, when it, oh, man. When it comes to memorability. Everybody remembers the act, the, these aliens and how they speak, and everyone can do their own impersonation of it. Give me, give me some, Tim. See, we can just actually the rest of the podcast is going to be spoken in Martian. So. <laughs> yeah, and you know what's awesome too? These yep. acts. Um, I want to give a shout out to friend of the nightclub, Canadian horrorcore rapper Poltergeist OD. Uh, you could check him out on Spotify and YouTube. He has a song called Ack, and it's all about Mars Attacks. In fact, most of his songs are specific <laughs> to is, a horror movie. That is awesome. Oh, that is dude, awesome. It, is so, it is so cool. Like, you got you to check it out. Um, but I agree with you about the, the, all the cool sound effects and everything, too. I love all of it. I think it's pitch perfect for this movie. 
uh, trying to pay tribute to the 50s sci-fi movies, I think it's perfect. Yeah, so I had to look up just because we were kind of, what has Danny Elfman done recently? Um, he composed I, for Wednesday, the TV series. Makes sense. Which was good. Um, he, White Noise, didn't see that one. Doctor Strange, that was a Sam Raimi. So Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, nothing really that I've, Doolittle, which kind of was okay. Uh, but nothing really that I've seen. He's working on Beetlejuice 2, though. So also makes a lot of sense. The old collaboration yeah. right there. But he's also released some of his own music on at, under his own name as like I believe it's just rock music on social media on uh Spotify and iTunes. Yeah, yep. he has become a legit rock star in the last few years because of putting on concerts and doing things like that. Danny Elfman's a beast, man. Yeah, that, and that makes total sense. All right, so jumping into the next score, the editing and special effects. Here's where I, I know I you can drag me through the coals for this one. Um, I gave the special effects a three, which means they're good. They're not great, I think. One of the things that hurts me on this movie was that it was originally going to be a stop motion animation for the aliens mm-hmm. and the budget just kind of ran out. And so they went computer and there are moments that it really, really shows. There are moments that everything's just a little smooth, a little bit video gamey. It was 1996, but I mean, you can argue that that totally plays into the cheesiness of this movie yeah and makes it work that's fine uh there there were moments that i just wasn't a big fan of it and i kind of wish that um that practical effect had taken over but i also know that budget ran out and that wasn't an option uh i just man i'm a sucker for the good practical effects and i wish computer generated cgi stuff was not used as much and i feel like these 90s movies really walk the line between great practical and terrible cgi and they're right they're like oh we should use cgi because we can and we're like no you shouldn't have but yeah i i gave it a three i i understand the use of the cgi maybe a couple scenes have toned it back and gone for something practical in certain scenes i also think there were scenes that just didn't need the cgi they were played for jokes like the the woman's body in the dog's head I'm not like it's funny. I'm not sure what purpose it serves long run, but it looks (laughs) it it doesn't seem like the money needed to be spent on that is all I'm saying. But that's why I gave it a three. I think it's good. I don't think the special effects are particularly amazing. So that's just my two cents. They're they're not. And, you know, they're they're not amazing. But and I I will be that guy that's going to argue for the the case of the cheesiness. Please okay? do go, go for it. <laughs> I'm going to give it a five for, for, I don't, I see editing as a, it's tied in with the special effects, but if we're going pure special effects and what they did here, I've got to give it a five because of like how you pointed out, some things just look so bad, so horrendous. Like whenever 
towards the end, whenever the alien ship crashes into, uh, it's like a hotel or whatever. Yes. <laughs> it yes. just looks God awful, but I can't help but be charmed by it. Knowing that this movie is trying to pay tribute to the fifties sci-fi movies where, you know, they, they were working with what they could back then. And That's or the scene, the scene where the aliens are putting their own faces on Mount Rushmore, the smoke. It's so funny. Like, the dust and the little rocks falling. It's so bad, but I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I got to go with it. Um, and I do, I do think the aliens are cool that like they're, they're still done really well. Their design if, is iconic. Mm-hmm. Yes. And if, if I'm not mistaken, industrial light and magic did the effects for the Martians. Correct. Yeah. So they, they, they got, they got the best people in the business at the time. And I only know that because when I was doing our mummy episode, I didn't know that um, Industrial Light and Magic was hired for that as well. And that's just a few years after this. So I actually, you know, uh, 99, right? Yeah. Yep. And they, so I kind of did a little bit of a deep dive on ILM because I knew they were Star Wars. I knew they were Lucas, yep. but I wanted to see what other movies they had been working on at the time to kind of mentally compare visual effects and when i saw this i was like okay that makes sense because the aliens look as incredible as they do even to this day they mm -hmm. look pretty good you know they're not golem level good but they're good the so, scenes yeah. in their ship particularly they look amazing the lighting everything in there they look fantastic you're correct i, I do love the inside of the ship shots too like yes very very cool stuff and as far as editing goes the movie gets pretty choppy with editing, so I kind of just gave it a five based on special effects. If I was going to go fair. just pure editing route, uh, I, I would have liked if we'd have stayed with some characters more than others, but Agreed. it is what it is. It's not enough for it to actually be a deterrent for me or like recommending this movie to people or anything like that. So, yeah. All right. Next score we have here is our script. All right. This is where my biggest issue with the movie lies and where I'm going to jump most of my complaints into one category. And that is the script where the script is equal parts brilliant. I think there are moments of the script that are hilarious moments of it that are insightful moments of it that are this kind of dark sense of humor that we do not get in many other films ever um it's so good in these other moments but it is spread way too thin for my tastes we spend the first 30 to 40 minutes of the movie meeting a dozen different characters and halfway through the movie, half of these characters are gone. And I get the it's kind of the old Alfred Hitchcock psycho bait and switch of, hey, Michael J. Fox is in this movie. Uh, no, he's not. Uh, mm -hmm. But I did feel really distracted at the beginning. I couldn't keep track of who's who. I can't keep track of what's going on. And I tried. And I know that's like, I can barely remember my own family's names. I have a hard <laughs> time with this. That's, that's my personal issue. I can't remember names. I'm terrible at it. I finish a book and have no idea what the main character's name was. Um, so it, that did. Oh, really I got to quiz take you. Me out. Okay. I, what, what was Danny DeVito's character name? In this movie? Yeah. Did he even have one? 
No. (laughs) He's called Rude Gambler (laughs) in the credits. Yeah. See, I couldn't even. uh, I I was just just messing with you. (laughs) That was a good one. I couldn't even tell you what the young brother's name was. And he was probably. I think that's where the script. Yeah. You said Richie earlier. Uh, Natalie was the only other one I could remember because of Pierce Brosnan saying it over and over in right. the movie. Natalie, Natalie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought it was way as much as I loved seeing this cast. I thought it spread the script way too thin. Like you said on your editing, you would have liked to spend more time with certain characters. And I think that's where I'm lumping that same kind of thought into the script. I would have liked to spend more time with Richie, maybe more time with, uh, Natalie Portman's character, the president's daughter. Like, I mm-hmm. think that's actually could have been a really fascinating storyline, especially since those two kind of anchor the ending of the movie. Like, right. let's talk about the president, how we handle this Martian attack at the Capitol, and then a humble farmer in a trailer park and how they come together at the end of this and how it unites those two. I think that would have been brilliant but there's just there's a lot going on that's why i gave it a two i thought the script was okay it has moments that i absolutely love but it's just spread way too thin sometimes yeah and we align on this i also gave the script a two and and that goes into sort of the same exact thing is like i just i i and i don't know who i'd want to get rid of honestly like if i try to think of character moments I don't know who I'd want to get rid of necessarily because as you watch the movie, pretty much everyone that is introduced in that first 30 minutes, there's at least one of them that sticks around. So like Michael J. Fox, his character, uh, Jason, doesn't stick around, but Natalie sticks around, Sarah Jessica Parker, and you follow her and then she gets tied into um, Pierce Brosnan, the professor's character story, and they show up here and there and it's after after a certain point it's just for comedic purposes which i find very funny uh, <laughs> i do i do but i also don't need it i i agree with you like i found them funny but i'm also like i i don't need this so okay. that that was a debate i had that and see that's where we we will kind of separate a little bit because it's those moments like with the dog head that's what makes that brings some comedy to it and it also makes the the martians cruel and and yes and that's true they're just doing horrific things like putting a dog's head on a woman's body and and completely laughing dis- at it. yeah like just having fun <laughs> for no reason they're trolls man these oh, martians oh. are trolls <laughs> okay they speaking are- of the martians being trolls one of my favorite parts of this movie is when the martians are carrying around the translator boombox saying don't run <laughs> we are your friends <laughs> as they shoot people down in the streets yeah. <laughs> and it was so funny i want to touch on 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 three moments uh, yes. in, in, in a little bit that that are exactly that well that's one of them that's one of the okay. three moments that <laughs> let us know that these aliens but as far as the script goes, I do kind of wish we had a little bit more focus. Maybe that would mean because I don't know who I'd want to get rid of again. So I guess I would say expand the runtime of the film. Now that's where you could get problematic. Okay. Yeah, I know we're thinking. No, we're thinking the same thing though. I'll, I'll oh really? I'll let you go first. Yeah. Okay. Well, because a movie like this, 
with this level of zaniness and cheesiness, you want to keep that around an hour and a half. You don't want to overstay your welcome. Yep. A lot of a, a big problem a lot of people had with Terrifier 2 was that it was too long. It was an it was two hours and 16 minutes. And for a slasher film that's about this insane killer clown. It's 45 for minutes too long. To some people, not to me, <laughs> but to some people it was. Now, I get where they're coming from. And could it have used some scissors here and there? Yes. This movie, if I want more character-driven stuff, I'm going to have to expand the runtime if I don't mm-hmm. want to sacrifice some of the the jokes in the movie that involve side characters or having Tom Jones himself show up in the movie, which I don't want to get rid of. I just like right. that it's it there. Great. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to get rid of a single scene of the army general who's just yelling about nuking the aliens the whole time. I don't want to get rid of any of those scenes. So the only logical conclusion I can come to and we're never going to get this, obviously, but it would be to right. expand the runtime so we could have more of the president and his daughter and it, the president's family dynamic and more of the Kansas family dynamic yes. with Richie and his brother played by Jack Black. Um, and it took me wait an embarrassing amount of time to realize that was Jack Black. <laughs> like the whole first scene went by and I, I was like, oh, that looks like the guy from Full Metal Jacket. And then it kept going and I was like, holy crap, that is Jack Black. How, well, let me ask you this, because I said this on the on the outset that I've seen this since I was a kid and many, many times. How many times do you think you've seen this movie? OK, honestly, I've seen this movie twice. OK, well, then that's yep. why, man, it's it, yep. you just haven't seen it a bunch. And that's probably why it's, it's like probably very hard true. To, follow all the characters and know who they are i've seen this since i was a kid many times so yeah. it's kind of one that's i wouldn't well let me not show my hand for the end of the episode okay. but uh, <laughs> yeah 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 so, so script i well oh, go I ahead do, i'm sorry i do agree with you on i find myself you know i talk about the script is spread way too thin over multiple characters but i think the solution to this particular movie because each character is so unique and such a character of those sci-fi movie tropes. Um, I do think the solution is not to trim it, but to make it longer. I do. As I was watching it, I was like, I would watch a six episode miniseries of this. Yes. Like if it was six, one hour episodes where I could spend more time with each of these characters, I would then look at this and go, that was brilliant. Instead of, getting these little tastes of the characters. I want, let me spend more time with them. I think like you said, spend more time with the presidential family and with the farm family, get those dynamics, but loop in the reporters and have the, yes, I think you're correct. Spreading out this runtime would only benefit the film. Cause I think the what story. you have here is a lot of great characters that you're a hundred percent, right? If you gave this the mini series treatment, you allow time to expand on the character arcs it just yeah that would be perfect it would i think this would be but for what it is you know this is a little over an hour and a half movie and they went with an ensemble cast so they tell on a lot of different stories maybe to mm-hmm. keep the i guess the pace up you know and the um, attention right yeah so but if you made uh very very well written it's got to be well written but I agree, an hour long, a six part miniseries, keep the jokes in, 
give us a little bit more of, of the characters. I think you'd have a really great story on your hands. And the same can't be said for every movie, by the way. No, definitely. I, I, would, I would argue, coming from the horror camp, something like Evil Dead. Ash versus Evil Dead is a series, and it's 30-minute chunks. Yep. 30 minutes is perfect to tell a little story in this type of universe. Let's say you wanted to take the first Evil Dead movie and expand that into a miniseries, you'd probably run into a problem. That movie's meant to be an hour and a half in a yeah. cabin, one night, in the woods, just boom, boom, boom. It's a frenzy, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. You can't break that up. Like I do think, looking at just the way the story unfolds, there are multiple moments that breaking it up would work beautifully. Um, even if like your mid season end of season three was that first contact and that's where you lose Michael J. Fox and where you lose the older soldier brother. But then at that point, three episodes in, you have had some character development with that brother where his death hurts just a little bit more. Yeah, because the deaths happen in this movie so fast from oh, are we are we dissecting the the storyline at this moment or are we just kind of going um, off we're, we're going up we're, we're dissecting the script if we want to say we are okay yep. well <laughs> i agree with you moments that feel like and okay maybe this ain't the kind of movie where we pause and 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 the character mourns it's it's definitely not but if you want to go the miniseries route i agree because in the script i'm wondering like the president's wife gets killed by crushed by a f- huge chandelier. <laughs> yes. The brother gets ray gunned in front of, well, not in front of his parents, but his parents are watching it on live TV. on television. Yeah. yeah. It does seem like no one's really phased by these deaths. And, and it's, it's, we just don't have enough time to, to go through it yes. with the characters as the audience, as the viewer, it's just not there. So, but I think well, that, it, that, that you totally could open this up and make a funny, and emotional series out of this movie. I, I, I like I like where this conversation's going. <laughs> yes. Well, and like you mentioned time, like we don't get enough time with the characters feel emotion. I also felt that way about the resolution when we discovered that music is, well, not necessarily music. Yodeling. Yeah. You nailed it. Yodeling is what kills them. But we go from that moment of discovering where Richie discovers that yodeling does it. And then in the next scene, the military is driving a tank down the street, blasting yodeling music. And I'm like, how'd that get out there? We just jumped. What would be hours of passing this information along? How did the small farmer boy tell the military? How did that get out there? Then I'm like, those little moments that would benefit would benefit from a mini series treatment. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause the, and, and we're spending a lot of time on the script here, but I think it's worthy because it, because of what's coming out of this, this part of our conversation Um, in the movie, he does go to a radio station real quick. So I do think that like he had a great idea, Richie, great yes. character. He had a great idea. Him and grandma too. I, I want to give some love to grandma. I love grandma. Grandma was so good. Grandma's the best, man. Yeah, he, he does drive very smart to to a radio station to start plugging, like pushing this song out there. And you're right. It would take at least a whole episode or a good chunk of a one hour episode of like, we've, we've got a weapon. The water yeah. in signs. It's like, we've yep. got a weapon. Let's go. I want a side tangent. 
Um, one of my favorite biopics of all time, hell, maybe my favorite biopic of all time is Private Parts, the Howard Stern story. Oh, I and, have not seen that one. Oh, you need to because they all play themselves and they do it amazingly. Okay. Like Howard, Robin, uh, 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 I'm a blank on his name, his other buddy. Oh, well, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I don't want to spend too much time thinking about it, but uh, they all play themselves in that movie. But there's one scene where Howard's radio station he's working at, I believe it's in Detroit, switches formats because they're they're just trying to do something different. And they're trying to get Howard under control because no one can control him. And they go from rock to country. The song playing when he re- resigns on air is the same yodeling song from Mars Attacks. And I was always blown away by that connection in my mind. I was like, oh, that's the same song from Mars. Yeah. That is wild. It's just, it's cool. So yeah, listeners of The Average uh, <laughs> and, and host Tim, please watch Private Parts from 1997. It's, it's a really great film. Okay, now I now I definitely feel the need to watch that. I actually was looking up on Tim Burton's list before this. He did one of my favorite biopics, um, Ed Wood. Yeah, that's yep. a I, fantastic film. I actually, if you were to ask me what my favorite Tim Burton film is, it would probably be Ed Wood. In all honesty, but anyways, I, yes, I, I don't know. That's a hot take. I also. It really bothers me when people think he directed um, Nightmare Henry Before Selleck. Christmas. Henry Selleck. I knew where uh-huh. you were going with that. Yep. yep. <laughs> people think it's his name is over the movie, so yes, it's kind of produced it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nope. It's well, the same. <laughs> I'm glad you knew the name of the actual director. Thank you. Yes, sir. Henry Selleck also, I believe, did Coraline. Um, yes, he did. And fantastic I love, film. We've covered it on the nightclub. So okay. Yeah. Check yeah, that out. I think that was our uh, 13 Nights of Halloween list last year, maybe two years ago. We didn't do Ooh. an episode about it, but it was it was on our list to review. I want to say right. real quick, my favorite Tim yeah. Burton film, I think. I think, because how you said you think it is, I think mine is Big Fish. I think it is. See, that is the one. That's why I said I think, because Big Fish is the other contender. Big Fish is Big Fish was a huge part of my like young adult life. I loved that film. Mm -hmm. I still love that film. I think while we're on this tangent, I actually think Tim Burton's best work is his original stories, not his adaptations. And man, Ewan McGregor in that movie. Oh my God. So So good. good. Yep. And yeah, yeah, Tim Burton eventually went the big Hollywood blockbuster route and I don't blame him. He's making a check. He's doing what he's doing, whatever. So some of those adaptations, uh, which I assume you mean like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or whatever. Dumbo, um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, well, see, Dumbo, Dumbo, I'm not going to lie. I've never been a big Dumbo fan, even from childhood. Like it wasn't one of my favorite Disney films growing up. So I didn't really have a lot, a lot of skin in that game going yeah. into it. I didn't have a bias. So that and I'm not saying you did, but like. For me, I went into it with no expectations, and that movie actually kind of choked me up a little bit. It it did. I grew up on the original Dumbo. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I was jaded by the CGI in that one. 
it was another example of Disney overusing like digital fair. backgrounds and things Very like that. Yeah. That I was like, it does. It really takes me out of the movie and makes it less memorable. Like I love going back and watching some of the eighties and nineties stuff and being like, Hey, they actually went to an Island and filmed this movie because their mm-hmm. hair is blowing in the wind and you can like, yeah. Anyways, I can go on a whole tangent about that. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. When, 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 like Lord of the Rings is my favorite example, modern, yes, or modern-ish of because those are uh, those are now, all the, <laughs> now old movies, <laughs> right? Well, oh, what and and for the average uh, listeners out there, the 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 and I mean the podcast listeners, um, straight up. Travis's favorite movies of all time. I could give you the top four. Two are horror and two aren't. Well, one of them is, has horror elements. Uh, Evil Dead from 1981. Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. Mm. Rocky, the entire franchise, I'm counting as one. And Lord of the Rings, the entire trilogy, I'm counting as one. So I'm glad you specified trilogy. We're not throwing The Hobbit in there. I only only reason I'm not is because I haven't seen parts two and three of the hobbit i enjoyed part one but i haven't seen parts two and three yet so one day i'll i'll bucket list those but uh or get them off the back burner rather but to go back to the tangent lord of the rings heavy on horror elements because our boy peter jackson's a horror boy in the the yep um but what's amazing about that movie is its blend of cgi miniatures and and like you were pointing out tim like actual location epicness like yes. just feeling immersed in this world and no it, it's no marvel film feels like this to me correct no correct maybe maybe um uh i'm blanking on his name great director oh my god christopher nolan's dark knight trilogy feels big and epic because he was actually shooting on locations yes. big big time so those feel they just feel different and you can tell the human brain can tell what it's seeing when it looks at cgi backgrounds versus practical on screen you know in front of the camera on celluloid <laughs> yes 100 yeah absolutely you're speaking my language i <laughs> we my buddies and i were just discussing the marvel films and one of them was like man i feel like uh the most recent mini series, I can't secret wars. He was like, I feel like it's just underwhelming. And I was like, yeah, they kind of have been for a while. Once they kind of switched to doing all this digital backdrop stuff, it. So the interesting comparison, I'll loop this back into horror. Um, this October specifically, I've been watching a lot more of the black and white horror movies, the original universal uh, werewolf in london son of frankenstein frankenstein those black and white films mm-hmm. and they're f- for the most part filmed on a soundstage with a backdrop but there's a beauty to these that is missing in those in the newer films i'm watching these black and white movies and it's partially the drama of the black and white but also I feel like it, it was a labor of love at that point. It was wanting to create this thing for other people to see, whether it was to shock or to empower or to enjoy whatever they were putting some, it to me feels like some passion into it, whether it was the director or the music. 
because it was the dawn of movies. It was the beginning of film. And now we've kind of come full circle where we're doing minimal stages with backdrops again, but it feels cheap and quick. It feels the feeling is different. Even though it's not cheap at all, these movies are made for so much money, but it's, isn't that wild? Yes. Yes. That it costs so much to just, I guess it's the inflation of Hollywood. I have no idea how to quantify it because I'm not an economist or a money person or any, or industry person. But um, may I recommend to you, if you have not seen, have you ever seen a cabinet of Dr. Caligari? If I did, it was years ago. It's a 1920s or maybe even 1910s um, production that is heavily inspired by German expressionism. And the way that their set design is on that film is mind-blowing and dreamlike and atmospheric beyond belief. I also would love, love to recommend to you and your listeners 1932's The Old Dark House. It's a horror comedy, black and white. Very great film. Feels very real and very lived in. And uh, Dark House, that one sounds good. It's very good. And I would also say for atmosphere, 1960s City of the Dead. It's just oozing Halloween atmosphere. If if your listeners and yourself want to really feel the Halloween spirit this year, throw on one of those old movies late at night and check it out and just get sucked into it. It's, it's not going to be your modern fare, but if you can let it take you away, you'll be transported to a whole different world. And it's, it's so spooky in the right sense of the word. It's, it's awesome. I love, I love, I love recommending those movies to people. Yes. I am glad you did the old dark house. It seems to currently be streaming on Tubi for free. So guess what I will be doing later. Uh, and for the listeners out there, like you just said, n- not modern fare. If all you watch is modern fare, you're really missing out on some fantastic storytelling. Mm-hmm. So Agree. that's that's my two cents. Let's jump into <laughs> Mars Attacks again. Uh, <laughs> it was a fantastic tangent. I had a great time. Uh, direction. I give this a three. Oh, I thought acting. it was. Oh, did we skip acting? You're yes, right. Sir. We did acting. I give this a four and spoiler. I give the directing a three Um, acting. (laughs) I thought everybody delivered. Everybody had a great time. Like you said, at the beginning of this, everybody had a great time with their part. They, they truly look like they're having fun. Special shout out to um, why am I brain farting on his name? Uh, Jack Nicholson for playing two parts. And one part I actually did not realize that again, did not realize that was him until I was like, holy <laughs> crap. It's like that guy kind of sounds like Jack Nicholson. And then I was like, oh, it is Jack Nicholson. He's doing two parts. Um, That's Southern but, Jack Nicholson right there. He's like, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, honey, <laughs> he's got that was, Southern drawl. It's fantastic. And just to, we've already thrown out a couple of these names, but this cast is stacked. We have Jack Nicholson. Pierce Brosnan, Sarah Jessica Parker, Annette Benning, Glenn Close, Danny DeVito, Martin Short, Michael J. Fox, Tom Jones, Natalie Portman, Jim Brown, Lisa Marie, Jack Black. Rod Steiger. The, yeah, we're not general. even done. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa <laughs> like, Marie is in this movie in a cameo. 
she's the Martian girl. Yeah. Which let me tell you, I actually thought when they were doing the uh, um, dog body switch stuff, I thought that was like preamble to the Lisa Marie Martian woman. I thought they were going to like reveal that they had created her from pieces of whatever. Ooh. And that would have been sick. Yeah. That's where I thought it was going. And I I was honestly a little disappointed that he just like pulled off the mask and it was a Martian in a costume, but it's still, (laughs) it's still funny, but I thought that's where it was headed. But yeah, all of these characters, they show up, they do a great job. Uh, Christina Applegate is also in here. I just want to mention real quick and to, to, for brevity's sake, uh, Pam Greer is also in this movie and Quentin Tarantino fans out there would know her mm-hmm. from Jackie Brown. She is the titular character. And I don't know a lot besides that movie with Pam Greer, but I do know of her background being an accomplished actress. Uh, Quentin Tarantino often would try to resurrect some actors and actresses for his films that once he grew up watching and loving. So she was one of those. And, I don't know her other works that that well, but I do know that in Jackie Brown, she's fantastic, and I just love seeing her in this movie. Yeah. All right, you want to go ahead and give your acting? Did you score it? I gave it a three, um, okay. and I think I think I'm, I think I'm coming in with the three because while I think everyone delivers perfectly for what they're doing in this movie, like it's kind of hard to score it. I could almost give it a five because they're not really. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. There's no flaws. Yes, exactly. No, there's no one that feels weak. I think the only reason I gave it a three is it goes back to what seems to be our biggest issue with this movie so far and probably is in total is that we just kind of want more of some of the characters. Yep. And that's a testament to how good the characters are. So that is also a testament to the acting. I'm not going to change my score on it. I'm going to leave it at a three. But I just want I just wanted that caveat to be to be known by the listeners. The only reason I'm not giving it something higher is because we just don't get more of them. And it's but it's not because the actors and actresses in this film are doing a bad job. Not at all. Everyone's really great here, including um, I don't know who the actor is that's playing Byron Williams. And I admit I thought it was somebody else. And I was when I saw his name. Jim Brown? In the, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know who that actor okay. is, but I thought it was somebody else when I when I was going into this movie. And I, I was just talking about earlier how I'd seen this a thousand times, but I just thought it was some other actor. And when I saw him again, I'm like, I, that's not who I thought it was. So don't know Jim Brown, but in this movie, he does a great job as Byron. So good job, Jim Brown. You uh, the man. Did you see Small Soldiers? I did. He, he was Butch Meat Hook and Small Soldiers. Just well, side note there. I will admit, the, I, I, I don't remember that character name. <laughs> you don't but, know it that well? <laughs> no, no. I do know the two leaders. There's Chip Hazard and there's... Um, yep. I'm trying to think of the leader of the the animals, the, the like the, the more warrior tribal-like clan. I can't remember his name, though. Yeah, but I do remember I'm that movie. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he was in the original Dirty Dozen film, which that from 1967, which I've never seen, but a Western yeah. fan. But I and I think that's a Western movie, but I don't remember that movie. I thought it was a war. Oh, it might be. It might be. Yeah, I, I could be war. wrong. 
I might be thinking of like the Magnificent Seven or something. I don't know. Yep. There you go. (laughs) I'm getting it all (laughs) crisscrossed. All right. So into directing, I gave it a three. Um, I know I get hate for this. I don't think Tim Burton is particularly, I don't, I don't know. I love him, but I don't think he's like, when it comes to directing, he's not Quentin Tarantino. He's not Christopher Nolan. What he does really well is create a world or a universe or a situation that is memorable. That's what he does really well. He does a fantastic job of that. And, but his camera shots are nothing spectacular. His whole arrangement, sometimes, like some could say, I think Edward, well, I'll say it. I think Edward Scissorhands drags a little bit in the middle. He can use some fine tuning. That doesn't mean any of what he does is bad. Um, I just don't think he's, you can spot his movie but I'm not sure I could tell you exactly what like his particular directing style is other than quirky and unique. So mm-hmm. I, I gave it a three. I think he does a good job with this film. It's not his best directing foray because as we've mentioned multiple times, there's a lot going on in this film and some of it is better than others. So mm. I wasn't writing down all of your scores as we went through this, but I do feel like we've aligned a good bit on a few of these and directing is going to be the same. Yeah. I gave it a three as well. I think, I think, and you as a graphic designer, I mean, you see what's great about Tim Burton films. The man Mm -hmm. has an artistic eye. He just does. Yes, absolutely. He's, he can make beautiful films. Um, with definitely mostly with a dark aesthetic, but he makes beautiful films. Edward Scissorhands, whether it's dragging in the middle or not, the look of the movie is bar none unique. It's iconic. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I would, I would say, I agree with you. This is not his best directing effort, but that could go back to the script again, or even the editing. Um, yeah. But, but as far as his style, Sleepy Hollow, uh, Sweeney Todd, Big Fish. He has plenty of movies where his directing Ed Wood is is off the charts, and and it's like give this man all the money, give this man all the awards. He's great. <laughs> yeah. Then he's got other movies where it kind of you could just I don't I don't know I don't know what what is I don't know what the difference is in some of his other films like this one. It's not a five. I didn't give it a five. You didn't give it a five, and yeah. you're missing something there. Definitely I guess I say he's not consistent. That's yeah. Yeah. He he is not a consistent director. And then, you know, where he went post two thousands for some movies, not all movies, but for some of his movies questionable, I think M night Shyamalan went the same route where he started making these big blockbuster movies. And it's like, dude, your home is in minimalist. Yes. Like lower budget storytelling, more character focused. Absolutely. That's where it, and and I'm you an didn't M. like Apologist. Avatar: The Last Airbender. I didn't even watch it. I heard. I watched. <laughs> I, didn't I watched the nostalgia critic cover it, and I was like, "That's all I need." Yep, that's all I need. <laughs> and after Earth, the same thing. I didn't bother watching it. Uh, I just don't care. Now I've watched every single other M Night Shyamalan film. I'm an M Night apologist. I really am. I love M Night Shyamalan. I think he's a great director, great storyteller. He just needs to stay. I don't want to I don't want to box him in and say he needs to stay in his lane. But until he can 
hone his skills in a different area, his lane where he shines is kind of where maybe Tim Burton shines a little bit is like, cause like this movie, it's a blockbuster, but it's not really one of his better ones. He's right. better when he's working with like 20, 30 million bucks. That's yes. when he's shining. So direction, I will give it a three as well. Not his best, not his worst. Um, good thing his name was attached to this project, though, because otherwise I doubt we'd have – because he was on fire at this point. Yes, he it was. Is, we wouldn't have got this stellar cast, and we wouldn't have got Warner Brothers to throw a $100 bucks at this movie because that's what they ended up spending on this after marketing was $100 million. Uh, Correct. Yeah. So, yep. No, this came right at the end of his, uh, I guess you could almost say his peak. Uh, It's debatable if his, if he is reaching another peak right now, but bro, his peak was Tim Roth and planet of the apes. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cause this one, he, I'm looking at the producer list. Um, Shout out to Tim Roth though. Cause Tim Roth is a bay. He's bay. he is, and he's doesn't get enough attention, Mm-mm. honestly. Um, yeah, because he did Beetlejuice in 88, Batman in 89, Edward Scissorhands in 90, Batman Returns in 92, Ed Wood in 94, followed by Mars Attacks in 96. So Contra- he, he was at the top right there. Controversial opinion. You ready? Yeah. My favorite Batman film of all time is Batman Returns. Mm, see i'm not sure i've heard many people say that in all honesty really i think yes i have i don't know i think it's a fantastic film um it's not my favorite batman as a comic book nerd i do think tim burton captured kind of the gotham really really well and i love that um I think his Gotham is the best Gotham. Like yes. earlier we were saying, or I was I mean, saying it inspired Batman, in the animated series, which is the best Batman period. Yep. 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 <laughs> yep. And it's all because of Tim Burton. So I will agree with that statement and, and, and double down on it. I agree with you on that. <laughs> that is the Batman, Kevin, Kevin, uh, Conroy, Kevin and Mark, Conroy Hamill. And Mark Hamill. Yeah. Bruh, all day long but not not to tangent too hard but i do want to say we were talking about nolan earlier and how his world feels so lived in and it does it feels real but that's the thing it feels real now and it is fantastic right tim burton's gotham city is goth chic fantastico yeah it had a little bit of magic to it Mm mm-hmm Yes. And I just love the darkness of Batman Returns where Batman is lighting people on fire and uh, penguins biting people's noses off. I just I love it, man. I love and it so much. Yes. <laughs> yep. It's, it's a dark. Great film. And it's a Christmas film. It's a Christmas movie. Yeah. yeah. People forget about that. It's the only Christmas Batman film. So I Christmas love it. time rolls around. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. 
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. All right. So into... I can go Batman films all day. Uh, oh, me too, man. Batman so for it, life. <laughs> the it factor for this one, we can save the who the best Batman is other than Kevin Conroy for a later date. Okay. Um, it's it Michael factor. Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's why I save this. Um, it factor. I gave this a three. Ultimately, um, because this movie, it came out, I was like seven when it came out, I think. And I remember it from that time period. I oh, remember. How, how old are you? I'm 33. Okay. So we're right on. Yeah. I'm 34. Okay. We're, we're the same age group right here. Yep. So I was super sheltered. So I was not allowed to watch this when it came out. Um, but I remember being probably because I was sheltered, horrified by these aliens. They were kind of <laughs> terrifying at six years old. Um, yeah (laughs) and the brains and the eye like freak me out but i remember it very much i remember as i got older like kind of loving that it was a parody of these kids these 50s movies um but ultimately this movie was a box office flop i think it only made a million dollars more than its budget oh really at the box office yes and it un it underperformed massively and I'm not sure what kind of staying power this movie has had in Tim Burton's repertoire. You and I are talking about it. Now we enjoy it. We enjoy the sci-fi aspects of it. We enjoy Tim Burton, but for the casual person, I'm not sure this movie has had staying ability. So that's ultimately why I gave it a three. I think there's a lot to show up for, but as we've discussed, I think it takes a unique person to want to rewatch this movie or to spend more time with this movie. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think it does a lot of, a lot of great things, but for the general masses, this movie misses the mark. Okay. I, I, I could, I could agree with that. And based on, cause a fun thing that y'all do here at, at the average is you give out a scorecard and you have everything kind of, you know, fleshed out to a degree where people can uh, give their ratings on everything. And I think that's a really cool idea. And based on how, (laughs) Oh yeah, I think it's, I think it's really cool based on how y'all rated uh, or uh, uh, multi-choiced this section. I gave it a four because y'all describe it as a well-advertised and significant cultural, uh, significant culturally film that resonates with a broad audience, but may have been a box office may not have been a box office success. I think that's the perfect representation of this movie. I'm going to say, okay. From my experience. Yep. The, the reason I say it is because I grew up watching it. I watched it a lot. Um, it'd be on TV fairly a good bit, uh, back in the cable days. Uh, I know cable still a thing, but who the hell 
has that <laughs> who anymore. actually watches it yeah yeah uh so but, no judgment i just you know whoever has it cool but why are you paying for that um <laughs> <laughs> unless it's for sports i guess but even that's changing so uh and I'm not even a sports guy. I just see things. Right. Anyway, um, this movie, when it came out, I don't remember it coming out. I didn't see it when it came out. I saw it a little afterwards and it was on cable where I saw it now. And we were talking about this pre-show, um, our our interaction with our different communities and circles online. I'm in the horror camp big time. And a lot of I see a lot of horror iconography out there. Mars Attacks is pretty decently represented it comes up here and there it's not jason it's not freddy it's not even pinhead it's not even you know well frankenstein's humongous that's just always everywhere but it's not even killer clowns per se but it gets brought up over and over again to the point to where earlier tonight i mentioned a a horrorcore rapper Poltergeist OD second shout out. He needs to pay me some <laughs> some royalties. Uh, JK, <laughs> you know, to where he dedicated an entire song to this movie. So you could call that niche, but that that that's horror is kind of neat. It's kind of big, yes, but it's kind of niche at the true. same time. It 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 it's uh, existing in both of those worlds where it's very popular, but it's still you can get very niche in the horror community and. You said at the onset, this movie is French horror. It's 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 in there, and I agree with that. But it's horror enough that it's I think it counts as a horror comedy, and I think this movie deserves a four from from me, as I think it's a it's a box office failure. I didn't know that part, but that 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 kind of rings true based on what you said here. Mm-hmm. But I think I think if enough people see this movie, they'll get it. They'll get what it's about. And um, it lives on to today. So it's still around. Like you said, we're talking about it now. So cheers yep. to Tim Burton and uh, Mars Attacks. All right. That was that was a very, uh, very good explanation. You might have made me feel guilty for my three a little bit. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> How you feel, man? All right. So how entertained was I? Um, I gave this film a seven. I'm pretty highly entertained. It's not a film that basically I rate the 10 as I would immediately watch it again. Very few movies get that from me. Um, But seven pretty well up there. I do think we've touched on it a lot. The beginning of this film is very scattered amongst the characters. And I do think that is the major impact on why I gave it a seven repeated watches as i've said i've only seen this twice repeated watches may make those moments more endearing to me than they were on this watch first time i watched it was probably 10 years ago so this one is a late revisit again um but i didn't feel really scattered at the beginning it was kind of hard to zone in and focus and then about the midway point it narrows and accelerates and it's a blast and a good time. But I did, I did struggle a little bit at the beginning and I think that's why I only gave it a seven. Fair enough. And, and that's, so I'm going to do this two ways because I see what, what, uh, what we have coming up here. Enjoyment level for me was a 10. Um, I enjoyed watching this as much as I ever did. It's nostalgic for me. I did, I did grow up watching this movie, so it's kind of built in. Um, yeah, 
I and and for me, I'm a rewatch person. Some people I, I found out, and that was kind of to my surprise, more so when I started doing podcasts that some people are a one and done. They don't rewatch. Some people don't rewatch. That is my movies. wife. Yeah, that is my wife. She's like, I watch it once. I'm good. I'm like, no, I want to watch this again tomorrow. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah that I is. I love rewatching. I think it's crucial and important to rewatch a movie if you enjoyed it. Um, and sometimes even if you didn't, because you'll find out later that you were in the wrong headspace, in the wrong mood in the movie. Yes. Yes. You just didn't allow the movie to do what it's going to do. Um, Are you I'm ready a, for this? Yeah. Um, well, okay. So. so this is the horror world. It took me four watches of this particular film to realize how great it was. Black Christmas. The original? Yes. Okay. So the first time, like you said, I wasn't in the right mood. I'm wanting like everybody talks about, oh, it's one of the original slashers. It's a great film. I'm like, okay, this is going to be a Christmas Jason. And it wasn't. No. And it was very taken out of it. And it took me a couple more watches until the point where like last Christmas, I was watching that movie once a week because it was so good. But it nice. took me a while to get there. It took me it took me some repeated watches. And that's just to back up what you were saying. Repeated watches are crucial. Well, your your audience is going to know this film. Y'all have covered it. It was the first episode of The Average that I listened to. Um, and that's Skinamarink. That oh, movie. Yes. That is one of my all-time – now it is one of my all-time favorite horror films ever. Interesting. Um, <laughs> and it, the first watch – well, this, this is why – this is why – I'm going to back myself up. I'm a self backpack. <laughs> the first watch of this movie, I got about 10 or 15 minutes in and turned it off. Cause I was pissed off at it. I was like, what is this garbage? What is this boring? Yeah. And then I, I kind of kept just seeing the buzz about it. And I'm like, you know what? Cause I like art house movies. I like slow burns too. So mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what? Let me put this back on. I put it back on and it captured me. And it took me there and I started putting the puzzle pieces together while watching it with the time loop, the cosmicism, the gravity of what's happening to these poor babies in this movie. And I went on to watch that movie in a period of a few months, five times. And that's all I can do now. I can't do it again because it's kind of too hard to watch. I get emotionally yeah. too upset. I tear up when the kids are talking to each other about they don't understand what's happening and I can't do it no more. Not for now. Yeah. But to say, sometimes you got to rewatch a movie. And and this movie, I've seen Mars Attacks now I'm speaking about. I've seen so many times. I just know what's coming. And I enjoy it for all the things I think it's trying to give me. And I let it give it to me. And I just have a fun time with it. Is it a perfect movie? No. So that's why I also want to say, now we're going to get into our totals, right? Yep. Okay, well let let's let's do, do that because I want to give it the you the want average. to lead into it. Go for it. Well, so for the average total, I give it a thirty nine, which on y'all's scale is a great movie, and I'll agree with that. Great movie. On the nightclub, we rate things out of ten with half points. Well, okay. but we let but we let guests do whatever they want, however they want to rate their movies. They don't have to adhere to to our rating. Um. So I just for for average listeners and any fans who come over from the nightclub and, and are listening, if if I'm going to rate this on the nightclub scale, I'm going to give it an eight out of 10, which is still a great movie. 
it's not perfect, but it's it's a lot of fun. I have a blast watching this movie. And awesome. I think that the the biggest thing I can give it, which is also its biggest detraction that we're if that's a word uh, I'm, I'm Cajun y'all I'm from Louisiana so <laughs> it's okay y'all just give me a break on 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 the vocabulary here um I think the characters are the strongest suit this movie has besides it's trolling aliens that are insanely fun to watch but I also want more of the characters and we don't get that so that's part of why I just can't and it is also the editing issues and, and mm-hmm. how towards the end of the film, it just feels so like, let's just get there. And it's like, okay, but you do it haphazardly and, and in yeah. such a not roundabout way that it's, oof, it's off putting. So not a perfect movie, but a fun movie, a very fun movie. So the fun part about your leading into what you were talking about, you had given an eight out of 10, uh, the way the score breakdown would work. So you, you were 39 out of 50 or that'd be about four stars out of five or eight out of 10. That works perfectly. Yep. Yep. There you go. So it, it translates perfectly. So that's kind of like when I developed the scoring system, I spent a summer like just nerding out trying to figure this out. I wanted uh-huh. a way to look at a movie that was like you said, it's really all about the entertainment factor. That's why the entertainment factor is the only one out of 10, because you can have a garbage movie like Troll 2 <laughs> where production and everything is terrible, but it's a fun ride and that's going to take that score up a bit to a 10. You can, you can get that. Um, but I wanted something that kind of broke down. Okay. If I were to look at it critically about like, okay, I didn't like the movie, but was the music good? Was the editing good? Was the script good? You can break it down in all those segments, score it, and then add in your entertainment value and you get something pretty close to your eight out of 10 or four stars out of five. And it was just kind of a way of quantifying it in my nerd brain of like, I like that movie. I can't exactly tell you why I didn't, but this is the score. This is how it works. Um, sorry, I just nerded out there a little. On no, that. no, I love knowing this kind of stuff. I really love knowing this kind of stuff because it's it's shop talk. But yeah, I think even the listeners wouldn't like like knowing just oh how 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 does this come to be and and yeah I, I dig this I'm a nerd too man so don't don't even <laughs> awesome. work you're not yeah. bothering me <laughs> I really think I really think I have a hard time with people who don't enjoy a movie and therefore say it's garbage that's not always true there are fantastically made films that you're not going to enjoy and that's why I created the score the way it is. If you are truly looking at the first couple sets correctly, it shouldn't be about your enjoyment level. It is, was the music good? Was the character good? Was the story well thought out? You don't have to like it. I'm not asking for how much you liked it. I'm asking for kind of the analytical breakdown. Yeah. And then I'll ask you if you liked it. I want to say too, for me as a, as a movie watcher, um, and I love movies. I'm, I'm a, I'm a cinephile. I do, I do, uh, gravitate towards the realm of horror, but I watch everything. Mm -hmm. So it does uh, rom-coms to, to biopics, to blockbusters, everything, Westerns, everything. 
Yeah. Um, when I watch a movie, the first time watch is purely for the entertainment and how much emotion and, 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 and capturing me and whatever it's trying to do is like, it's the initial. And that's like, I think that's true for everybody is like, what's your gut reaction to this movie? The second time watch and even further is when you open the analytical eye. For me, that's what mm-hmm. I do. I start to that's analyze fair. the movie and study it and see. So your, your scorecard, in my opinion, is is best if you watch a movie more than one time. It, it, at least At least to the degree that we're talking about because it's like now you can actually start to pick apart the different sections and be a little bit more because it's all subjective, right? Right. But you could you could be a little bit more objective. It's like you didn't like the story, but was it well written? Right. Like like yeah. the network, the social network. The um, yeah. I hate that movie. I don't like it at all. <laughs> I really don't. Yep. But but I'm not going to deny that it's a well made film. Right. It is. It just is. I don't like it, but it just doesn't touch me. It's not a movie that gets me. Or gets to me, but I can't sit there and look at it and be like, well, this is crap. It's not crap. It's very right. well made. Trent Reznor did a great score for it. Um, I'll give it that much. But just as an example, Social Network, I don't personally like the movie, but it's just not a story that touches me. Street Trash touches me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Night of the Demon from 1980. Not Night oh, of the I'm, Demons. So- Okay. Not that movie, but oh, but that movie does too. <laughs> I was watching Night of the Demons last week. Yeah, well, that movie does too. But Night of the Demon from nineteen eighties. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> did I just did I just touch something there? Uh, I got into horror because of Joe Bob on Monster Vision, and we're of the same age, so you probably were sneaking through the channels looking at that too no, back in the. I gap. actually I got on to him with Shutter and his right. Joe Bob's Last Drive-In. Yep. Well, good on you because I love Joe I, Bob. me too, man. When I found out he was coming back through Shutter with that, I was like, I hope this is just like Monster Vision. And guess what? It is. It's the same exact. Instead, now you don't get commercials. You just get yes. nothing but Joe Bob, yes. which he would he would do the same thing back in the day. So, OK, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, Joe Bob is is my guy. I love Joe Bob Briggs so much. And yeah, uh, but Night of the Demon from 1980 is a Bigfoot movie, low budget Bigfoot movie from 1980. I'd rather watch that than The Social Network. Is it as well made of a film? No. Is it more entertaining to me? A thousand percent. Yes. So I think you have a really good system with your scorecard, though. I, I really enjoy it. And I think it's um, unique, uh, especially for podcasts uh, like our podcast. We don't have a uh a system set up necessarily we just give it a, a a final thoughts and ratings and talk about how the movie made us feel and what we think about it we don't we don't have a good breakdown of it like the way that you do and so i really enjoy coming on your show and having the opportunity to purposefully discuss every aspect of the film and give it its due diligence and it's it's time to shine or shown as you said earlier uh (laughs) (laughs) no um i i enjoyed it man and so yeah eight out of ten feels right in my heart 
Awesome. Yeah. Thank you uh, so much. That was great. I, I feel like we have given our final thoughts on this. So my final score was a 31 out of 50, which combine just our two scores right now for the average puts us at a 35, which means it is a great film. And wow. Hell yeah. It, yep. And I agree. I, it is. I don't know necessarily like the whole premise is for social settings. Some people are going to be bored by this movie. Some people aren't going to understand this movie, but there's just it's kind of one of those bright, flashy, lots going on all the time movies that might just keep everyone's attention. And most people might walk away being like, well, that was a trip and I had a good time with it. I, I agree. I, I don't I don't know if people would be bored by it, though. Really? You think I no, I can tell you my wife would be. It's, oh, okay. Yeah, well. sci, sci-fi and humor. She likes sci-fi. She doesn't like humor. And so combining the two, I, I don't think she would enjoy it that much. Has so, she seen Rick and Morty? No. Oh. No, well, I'm going to try, but try because that's at on least the, that's on the list to try to get her <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep. sci-fi i'm trying to think of sci-fi comedies that would maybe entertain someone i'm, I'm going starship troopers is where i'm going with oh, it she would I, hate that one really oh no yeah. mrs tim <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah well, she her enough. taste in film is i love it because she like it's similar, but she also really loves horror, but she likes like disturbing, uncomfortable horror. She, yeah. Like well, what? her, well, her favorite movie, she loves Ari Aster films. So, yeah. 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 She loves his films. Um, she watched, what did we watch? Hereditary is a 10. Yeah hereditary messed me up uh <laughs> but oh, we, yeah. she wants those kind of movies um she wants to walk away being uncomfortable she uh i think she actually liked skin and more than the rest of us did i don't remember because it was just kind of one of those unsettling and uncomfortable movies but she wants to walk away being disturbed so that's Has that's she- her kind of we just watched talk to me and she had a good time with that one too yeah, I, I saw it. It was I liked it. <laughs> it was well, it wasn't for me. It wasn't what it, it was built up to be and I was kind of like a little bit let down, but the it's The second fine. half kind of kind of lost me, but we can talk. Uh, <laughs> has she has she seen for and all your listeners can find out later if she watches this. Has she seen Ari Aster's short film that's on YouTube? There's something about the Johnsons. I told her about it and we plan on watching it. Yes. Oh, it's so I've heard, messed yeah. up. It's so uh, messed up. One of our favorites um, that I brought to her to mess her up, uh, The Brood from 79, I believe. Oh, I don't know that one. Um, that is... Why am I... He's so popular. Why can't I think of his name right now? Is it Argento? Is it Fulci? Is it Cronenberg? Cronenberg, David Cronenberg. Okay. Yes, it's Cronenberg from 79. Yeah, it was after Rabid, before Scanners. Mm-hmm. But it the ending just 
is a WTF moment. Well, I got I got one for y'all to watch together. Yep. Y'all got to watch Antichrist from Loris von Trier, 2009. Willem Dafoe. Get on it. Ooh, I love a Willem Dafoe. So get get because you want to talk about disturbing <laughs> and messed up, and she will she will definitely want to take a shower happily after that movie. I promise okay. you. Okay, and I, Human Centipede Part Two. I don't know if I can sit through that one. Oh, it's so it's black and white. <laughs> it's black and white, and it's so deliciously just raw and gross and oh. Oh, you, you're going to wonder if humanity has a soul after that movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all we have for the episode. Travis, it has been fantastic having you join me tonight. Well, thank you very much. I've had uh, a fun time, a great conversation. I loved it. Um, I appreciate you having me on the average. Yeah. And you're welcome back anytime. And to those of you out there listening, this is night seven, I believe. I'm losing track at this point of 13 nights. So we've got just a couple more nights to go. Couple more movies, couple more guests coming your way. So make sure you like, follow, subscribe, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye.